Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm Gabriella Bach, Managing Editor and Studio Producer over at Rethink Retail and your host for the week. And it is certainly a great week to be jumping into the podcast booth because I am joined by a very special guest today, Leilani Hahn. Leilani Hahn is the Executive Director of Commerce at Wirecutter, a New York Times-owned product review publication that attracts an average of 12 million readers a month. In her role, Leilani is focused on driving strategy for affiliate revenue, licensing, and other strategic partnerships. During her tenure, Leilani has diversified direct partnerships with dozens of brands and strengthened existing core partnerships, all while overseeing the success of deal and tentpole events in conjunction with other Wirecutter leaders. Her work at Wirecutter has helped the product recommendation company significantly grow affiliate revenue year over year. And if that all wasn't impressive enough, Leilani has over 15 years of experience where she began her career at Nielsen's online division before pivoting to focus on affiliate marketing over the last dozen years. Leilani, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And personally, I'm very excited to have you on the show. I use Wirecutter all the time. Shout out to my dad's partner, Heather. She is a Wirecutter enthusiast. She uses you guys to make all of her large purchase decisions. And she introed me to you guys a couple of years ago. And, and since then, I have used Wirecutter to select cameras, my recent TV. So I really appreciate you um, making those decisions so much easier for me. I love to hear it. I love that we're talking with um, a Wirecutter fan. And I just have to say that in my four years with Wirecutter, the number of Wirecutter pick purchases is kind of insane. And especially we have this amazing deals team who hunts out only the best deals on Wirecutter picks and um, lots of impulse purchases happen there. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I bet it would be very hard to not be swayed by your own research. Like, you know, (laughs) actually, I think I might need that myself. Oh, you Um, know what I do? I bought one time an emergency radio because that was what they wrote was just so compelling. And I was like, yeah, I I should get one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, well, you are in Santa Barbara. Um, so you know, with the fires and everything, it's definitely a practical impulse buy. So, so great. So I, I wanted to kick things off today by just kind of going back in time a little bit. So you began working in affiliate marketing kind of around 2008, 2009. So really around the same time when social media was really starting to rise, you know, Facebook was just kind of starting to dethrone MySpace and Twitter (laughs) was just becoming a household name. And, um, you know, as an expert whose career has kind of grown alongside the rise of social media, I'd love to hear your take on how affiliate marketing has kind of evolved over the course of your career. Sure. It's been really fascinating to observe. There's a couple of things that really come to mind. I would say the first thing is how many different types of businesses have entered the space and also how much more known this channel has become by both marketers and consumers. So like when I first started, I think when if you even knew about affiliate marketing, you would just immediately think about coupon and loyalty publishers. Mm -hmm. And that was by and large, mostly true. 
and I would refer to it as affiliate as the channel that almost everyone interacts with that nobody knows about. Um, but what started happening about five or six years ago was, you know, so many different companies were realizing that if you have an audience, you can out affiliate as a revenue stream. It's uh, it's really perfectly suited for it because there's all like the networks that provide the infrastructure for tracking, reporting, and payments, which is key if you think about the hundreds and even thousands of relationships that you could potentially set, set up, right? It really streamlines mm-hmm. that. Um, and so this was also kind of coinciding with at a time where ad blockers were on the rise and display revenue was really declining and content publishers were realizing that they had to pivot and figure out how to, how to diversify their revenue streams. And, you know, there's also just kind of this overall evolution of, you know, just like the consumer's relationship with the shopping journey. And I think as that was really happening, right, and this just kind of coincides with social media and the rise of just like, the internet and online having such a presence in everyone's day-to-day life that a lot of other companies realize like, okay, this is another way that I can add a revenue stream. And I mm-hmm. think that just kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that like, you know, the social media thing in, in particular, and it becoming much more well-known as like this marketing channel. And as, you know, content publishers like like Wirecutter and all of our peers were really on the rise. Like this notion of turning to publishers like us for this very curated, um, you know, recommend recommendations for products. Like people have just really embraced this channel, which is really wonderful to see. Um, I can now go to a dinner party and explain what I do and people don't look at me <laughs> with a big question mark on their face. And so I think as the space continues to evolve and e-commerce and is, is continues to grow, like we're going to keep seeing, you know, innovations. Like I would like, you know, new currencies in particular, right. Or payment models is such another, like a great example that you wouldn't necessarily think about as being an affiliate, such as there's actually crypto based loyalty platforms now and buy now pay later solutions that are, Mm -hmm. um, you know, helping people to make purchases, but they're very much ingrained within the affiliate model too. Wow. That's, that's so fascinating to hear about everything you've experienced, how you've kind of seen affiliate marketing transform in really a a very short period of time and, you know, which can be largely attributed to the rise of e-commerce and social media. Um, But turning to Wirecutter now, you know, you guys are such an amazing tool for helping alleviate that burden of choice off the shoulders of consumers, you know, that we're seeing with the rise of e-commerce, and there just being so many more options. So with that said, can you kind of share some of the magic and the method behind how Wirecutter determines which products to recommend? Sure. And, you know, I'm so glad that you mentioned, you know, the burden of choice, because I think that's definitely one of the great value adds that we bring to the readers in what we actually represent in their life. Like it's one thing Mm -hmm. to like buy a product, but when we can take the headache and the stress over trying to make this decision, um, that's like one of the things that I love about our wire cutter picks is that they, through our, our process, like you can find ways to surprise and delight in, in ways that you just never would have expected. Right. And so Mm -hmm. what it all really boils down to you know, throughout the evolution of the affiliate space and e-commerce, right? Our main priority has always been the reader and their trust in us is 
everything. Um, and so that's definitely key to that success. And so what that means is we've always had, com- like our editorial team has always had complete independence from business interests, which, you know, I think there's always a degree of separation between business and editorial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but having worked within the space and having been on the network side, where I actually helped to a lot of our peers to really get going in affiliate, I can say with confidence that in terms of the spectrum, like Wirecutter is very much on the most stringent side. And so we were really novel when we entered the space in 2011. You know, at the time, if you were going to look up a product review, it was very much about like the specs of a product, right? Which doesn't really tell you anything about like, is this going to be useful in my needs? Mm-hmm. And so our founder really set uh, set out to kind of change what was out there and bring something useful. And so rather than our approach is really to think about how people use these products in real life and what purpose is it serving. And so we don't just take something and test it in a lab controlled environment, right? We actually will use it and test it in the way that a person would. Like one time I was in our LIC office where we do a lot of testing and I was passing by some of our journalists and they were like crunching cereal into a car seat because (laughs) your child is probably going to destroy the car seat and make a mess, right? And so I think that's part of like, it's like this special je ne sais quoi wire cutter and why our readers really love and trust us. Um, You know that our picks are deeply researched and tested. And we often touch on the aspects of the product that you know you needed, as well as the one that you didn't, you know, and that's like the piece that I love about it. And so above all, people want to feel confident in their choices, um, you know, regardless of whether or not they're inclined to spend hours researching or just want somebody to do the work for them. um, Our readers fall into both camps. We offer all of that. Wow, that that's incredible. And as a uh, mother to a, a four-year-old, your story about uh, testing the cereal <laughs> in the uh, in the car, um, yeah, that would that would definitely hook me. So then, how do you use that information? So is that then kind of uh, worked into the copy of your recommendations? How does that work? Oh, definitely. I mean, okay. Granted, I understand that our our articles can be very long. You as a reader know it can be seven to 10,000 words Mm -hmm. at times, but I think that's where you actually get to understand some of like the most meaningful pieces of it. But we will actually talk about that in our testing. Like um, there is some, oh gosh, I was, I'm sorry that this is a really disgusting example that's coming to mind, but there was something (laughs) about like, uh, it was like a garbage can and like whether or not it was like really secure. And so the way that we tested it had to do with, um, Oh, some really disgusting bugs. I can't even talk about it because oh, it's gosh. so gross. And so we'll like actually say like, this is how it held up. But then what we'll also do, like the wa- a water bottle review also comes to mind in which, you know, for the water bottles that we recommend it actually being leak proof is something that's very important because we know that people are going to toss a water bottle into your bag, which is going to probably have expensive electronics in it, right? Something that Mm -hmm. you really care about. You can't have that leak. And so one, um, one example of that testing that they'll do is they'll actually fill those water bottles with colored, uh, with food coloring and water, and they'll, you know, close it up and they'll leave it upside down or something on like a paper towel over, over the course of 24 hours to see Mm -hmm. like if they actually leak or not. And, um, that's something that we actually uh, speak to in that review to actually prove that like, Hey, we did test this and this is how we're confident in Mm -hmm. the fact that this is leak proof. 
Yeah, that's great. I love the the dedication to testing. Um, like you said, how consumers are actually using the products, right? Because sometimes you see these videos where an influencer or whomever is, is testing it out, like it's a vacuum cleaner, for example, and they'll just kind of like sprinkle something on the ground. It looks kind of messy, but, you know, in actuality, maybe it's just... Um, dyed baby powder or something like that. So it's very easy to come up and um, it's not actually like showing how this product is being used um, in an actual household with real messes and real spills. So oh, speaking um, of real messes and vacuums, I think there is a model of a robot vacuum that had come out that is supposed to be able to detect pets poop. <laughs> oh my gosh. And could avoid it. And so we put it to the test. We didn't actually gather pets poop, but something that was very <laughs> close to recreating it to see how it did. And so that was just like one great way to actually put something to test and like, does this live up to their claims? Wow. Yeah. So see, there you go. The dedication to testing. Mm -hmm. um, I also love how Wirecutter is, you know, you guys provide recommendations um, for all different levels of income and accessibility. And then I imagine, you know, recommendations are probably updated from time to time when like newer models or features come out. Can you explain a little bit about how that works? Yeah, I mean, it's something that it's something that's really important for us to stay on top of because we need to make sure that they are standing the test of time. There are a lot of models that are coming out. I think electronics in particular and their life cycle uh, from the manufacturers are always putting certain things out. And, you know, I was talking with about one of our senior editors the other day and he was saying that like the space for a $500 um, laptop or less is a really tricky one because mm -hmm. it's hard to make a recommendation there because uh, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here, by and large, none of them are actually really that that great, but there's mm -hmm. very much a demand for it, you know, right. For people who can only afford that much or somebody who, um, like a kid who's going to school and you don't want to spend a lot. And so, and that's a, a that's, um, a product category in which it's constantly going through updates and whatnot. And so mm -hmm. we know that like, as far as people that are shopping, like they, it's very important to them to know that what we're recommending is up to date or something that stood the test over time. This is actually some really, um, some research that we've done where some of our readers have actually echoed that. And so as far as like just um, staying on top of like updates, like there's core guides or where we have like an updates cadence in which we're making sure that we're taking a look at all the picks that we've recommended and then taking a look at, um, you know, what else has come out into the market and are these actually worth considering? You know, sometimes there's going to be updates that are going to be made because of a hypothetical example, but let's say that there is a recall for a certain type of product. And now there's like this mandate that all products have to have this new feature. So that's mm -hmm. obviously an important thing that we would need to consider. But then there's other times in which, you know, as far as like updates go, like there are products that do stand the test of time. Like we've been recommending the KitchenAid stand mixer for years because it is arguably the best and has been for decades. And so, yeah, there's going to be some times in which like you're probably not going to see huge changes and others where like you'll, you'll probably see changes a few times a year. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Um, and, you know, speaking of new products, we touched on this a little bit, but, you know, digital and, and e-commerce has skyrocketed in recent years and people are now just shopping for things online that they might not have been, you know, even two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, are there any examples of products or even categories that you guys make recommendations for now that maybe um, wouldn't have been on the site when you joined Wirecutter four years ago? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think the first thing that I would say is I think a lot of people assume that we focus on consumer electronics, but I think you'd be surprised by how much breadth of products we already have. Um, but over the last couple of years, not surprisingly, products related to COVID, like face masks, antigen mm-hmm. tests, like that's not something that was a blip on people's radars four years ago. No, But believe it or not, we actually already had a review for toilet paper when COVID started, so it existed. <laughs> um, but some other things that we have produced over the last couple of years, um, chicken coops, karaoke machines, non-alcoholic drinks, ramen even. Um, something that's actually kind of a fun, like very wire cutter anecdote is something that we recommend now that we didn't before is air fryers. We used to always kind of have this, you know, the way that we felt about it is like the, you don't need to actually have an air fryer. Like it's a convection oven. That's basically what it is. And we have a wonderful, um, toaster oven pick that has a convection oven setting. I have that one. It's amazing. Um, but you know, over time again, and just trying to listen to readers and what they're really looking for, you know, we were hearing feedback that like some people don't have the space in their kitchens mm. for a full on toaster oven. Like I have it, it's, it's large. And so, you know, that definitely changed the way that we thought about like, okay, are we actually servicing the reader if somebody wants this function, but doesn't have the space for it? So sure. that's actually something that we do have a guide and recommendations for now that we didn't before. Um, category wise is uh, that's something that didn't really exists four years ago is actually style. I think apparel is something that was a little bit tricky for wire cutter, because if you think about apparel in the sense of like fashion, right? Fashion and accessories, it's, um, you know, it's a category that obviously is also influenced by cycles and different Mm -hmm. um, seasons. And there's, if you look at others out there who are covering their space, it's always talking about like, oh, this is the style that's in season, that's trending. And that's very counter to what wire cutter does, right? Like, we're not going to cover like the latest you know, fad type of a thing, because we want to be really thoughtful about products that we recommend, right? The way that we review, like, um, kind of view our recommendations to our readers is like, we wouldn't recommend something to them that we wouldn't to our family or to Mm -hmm. one of our best friends, right? And so I think that longevity and the actual utility of it matters. However, we have since pivoted. If you go onto wire cutter now, you'll see that style, which I think is distinct from like fashion, right? Is Mm -hmm. something that we have been diving more into. And so this is where you'll see examples of things that are like staples, you know, which, so I think again, kind of like really fits into our approach of like things that are going to like last, you know, over time. So best white t-shirts, best cashmere sweaters or little black dresses or, you know, leggings or what have you are some of the things that you'll see um, on wire cutter today that wasn't there when I first started. Interesting. And so for apparel, do you focus more on then, you know, the quality of the fabric and the stitching as opposed to, you know, maybe like design since that's such kind of like a, a personal, personal thing, very personal taste design. I'm yeah, totally design is. And I think that obviously transcends beyond just clothing too, right? There's other, there's other categories that I think are, have been trickier for us to approach such as like home goods, because to your point, style is such a personal thing. And what a person is going to gravitate towards could very different, like really, really vary from someone else. So mm-hmm. yeah, we are looking at overall quality, maybe not necessarily something as stitching, although I think that would probably go into the review of like how it, if this is something that's going to last, but fit is something that we also think about because I think in just in terms of like 
you know, inclusion and just being as inclusive as possible of all different people, like body type is something that, you know, a shopper thinks about. And so I think that's something that you'll also see really take, um, that you'll really see like, uh, resonate throughout our pieces and style where, um, the body type and how it fits in different body types is something that, um, we think about, like, I think the, I'm thinking about our eyeglasses, it's either our eyeglasses or our sunglasses review. And, um, something that we actually did was to test for different frame types against people's face shapes, because that obviously, you know, something that we're going to recommend might look different on different people. Um, and so if you look at the, the gallery of images there, we actually have photos showing how it looks on different people. And I know that like one thing that in, in like the panel of testers who actually tested out these glasses, these frames, you know, so I'm Asian and people that are Asian, our face shapes and our bone structure is very different from, you know, other, other ethnicities. And so the way that like glasses will fit and sit on a face will be very different from, you know, maybe you. And so, mm-hmm. um, that was like, we made sure to include that in the testing because we, again, want to be as inclusive as possible in what we recommend. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, for me, when I purchase sunglasses, I do a very similar thing. Um, and oftentimes I look to, you know, like Pinterest or even just a Google search to see like, you know, what frames are for best for my face shape. So having that directly on the site, you know, definitely helps, I think, kind of remove some of those, those pain points for us as consumers. One of my Favorite things about 2022 is that we are finally getting back to live person events. And one event Rethink Retail is especially looking forward to this year is Shop Talk Europe. Taking place June 6th through 8th at Excel London, Shop Talk Europe is the new home for Europe's retail and grocery changemakers. The event is expected to see over 2,500 decision makers from leading retailers and brands. You'll also see startups, tech firms, investors, media like Rethink Retail, and analysts from around the world. Yes, we are all coming together to learn, network, collaborate, and evolve. The event will host more than 200 industry speakers. And if that wasn't enough to keep you busy... More than 250 companies will be showcasing the latest trends and innovations that are transforming the global retail sector. Qualifying retailers and brands can attend Shop Talk Europe for free and receive up to a 500-pound travel reimbursement through Shop Talk's world-renowned hosted meeting program. For more information to see the lineup, or to register your company, shoptalkeurope.com is the place to visit. Again, that is shoptalkeurope.com. So we've discussed how you look for new products, but I wanted to dive into a bit on how Wirecutter chooses its strategic affiliate partnerships. What do you look for? Sure. So um, for wire cutter, everything, first of all, starts and ends with a wire cutter pick. Um, if you don't carry a wire cutter recommended product, it's a non-starter, which makes it a very interesting challenge for our team. Anyway, suffice to say, we say no to a lot more opportunities and we say yes to, but assuming that you have overlap with a wire cutter pick, 
still reader experience is everything that we go back to. That's the number one priority because we really see ourselves as an extension of the reading experience, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody that's going to read one of our amazing reviews and our advice and decide to actually click through to make a purchase, that buying experience does tie back into their perception and their feelings about wire cutter. So if we were to say, for example, accept a million dollars from joshmoscamerashop.com and you <laughs> went and made that purchase and it was like more expensive than what you could find elsewhere, took way longer to ship. And like you tried to return it and their customer service is rude. Like, I mean, it's going to have an impact on what you think about wire cutter. You might not shop with us again. So we think about that. And so there's things, it seems very obvious. Like, you know, you want to have competitive pricing, fast and free shipping. Again, great customer service. Warranties also matter. Um, How easy is a return process? Um, And I say that you think that this would be obvious, but it's kind of interesting. Sometimes there's merchants that come to the table and we go through their checkout experience and it's kind of wonky. Um, Not surprisingly, the reader experience ties directly back into conversions, which is obviously a very important metric for us. Mm -hmm. And so we, we just know that when we're, you know, taking care of the reader's experience, the monetization follows. Obviously that's hugely important too, but it's a balance that we have to strike in terms of like our ability to serve the reader relative to our ability to monetize. And our team has done a really nice job of finding that right balance. Outside of those things though, in terms of who is a strategic partner, you know, merchants are going to run the gamut in terms of their approach to their affiliate relationships. But the ones where we have had the most success are the ones who like actually want to be a true partner, the ones who take the time to understand our business, who really actually care about like the editorial process and understand that some of the constraints that we have or, you know, the requirements that we have are actually like what makes us all so successful. They're also the ones that also take the time to give us insights into what's driving their business initiatives and how that actually trickles down to budget allocation. Because when we can have that shared understanding, that's when we can actually get really creative about like, oh, okay, maybe there's this opportunity or that that's going to allow us to meet both of those together. Um, you know, the best partners are also the ones that are able to effectively advocate for the channel and for wire cutter. Um, you know, there's the there's partners who we know will do really go to bat for us. You know, as a publisher, like we just know that we have incredibly high standards. You know, luckily we're able to back that up through our performance, but it's still a big ask. And so the ones who will go and advocate for us and in certain cases do things like adjust attribution models because they want to be, you know, competitive and be a good partner to us are the ones, you know, the ones that will go out of their way to be a good partner are the ones that we really look for. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Um, and you know, the, the content boom that we've been talking about, it's really, it has cultivated a a sense of mistrust, um, among consumers toward both, you know, advertisers and media platforms. So, you know, as a consumer, it's great to hear that Wirecutter has prioritized really maintaining a a strong sense of, um, editorial integrity and, you know, and then for, for the brands that you do partner with, um, being featured on the site, then it acts like a trusted stamp of approval for not only the specific product being featured, but, you know, then I'm assuming it also reflects very uh, positively on, you know, the entire brand as a whole. 
Definitely. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that is actually something that we will mention to merchants because you're absolutely right. Like our team is really savvy in understanding not just what's going to convert, but what's going to lead to the best experience. And so Mm -hmm. I think our partners do appreciate that, even though the opportunities on our site are finite, right? Like just because something's performing, like we're not going to go to editorial and say like, Hey, write more content about this because it's making a lot Mm -hmm. of money. Like, obviously that's counter to our mission. You know, they're very appreciative of the fact that like having that share of voice is so meaningful because to your point, like, yes, it is, you know, this is the reason why these merchants are working with publishers like us in the first place. It's not just the distribution and helping with the discovery, but it is helping, you know, consumers to like make that decision to shop through them. It is a stamp of approval for that brand. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking about trust and mistrust and and consumers, so we know that the Gen Z, they are the most mistrusting of advertising, traditional marketing tactics, um, media. So, you know, how are you kind of catering to them on that? Anything specific? That is a really great question. I wouldn't necessarily say that we have a strategy specifically for reaching Gen Z so much as like, again, the approach of being as transparent as possible. But I think this is where if you go on Wirecutter, I mean, FTC disclosures, like you see them all over the place. But Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I will say that is unique about Wirecutter is we had that disclosure prominently displayed at the very top from the very beginning. And it's not something that other people really started to adopt in earnest until maybe about five years ago. But even outside the FTC disclosure, if you go into like every single piece, you know, within the review itself, we're very open about like, this was our approach. It's exactly what we did. And then if you go to the about us, we actually also like lift the hood, so to speak on Mm -hmm. like how, like the fact that they are shielded from rates. Like there's no business influence. We don't actually get a ton of free product, which I think probably runs counter to many people's assumptions. We actually try to source these as much as possible. If we ever do get something from PR, we actually try to return those products back to them. Um, And if we are not able to return it, we donate them. We purchase a number of our products on our own for testing. And as far as unsolicited products go, we actually try to send those back as well. And like, there's one, um, one journalist on our team that I'm thinking about in particular in her signature, it says, if you send me something unsolicited, I'm sending this back to you. I'm going to donate it to charity. So we do try to be as impartial as possible, but you know, I, I think no matter what, there's always going to be a subset of people that have some skepticism, which is fair. You know, I think, I think people should, you know, especially when you're trying to put your trust in somebody else to make this decision for you and you're going to spend your hard earned money on it. But the, I think, again, our approach to being transparent is, and as much as possible throughout the entire experience is the way that we try to help address that. Yep. Yep. That's great. Um, you know, trust and trust and transparency is it's so important these days, um, you know, especially to younger consumers. And you guys have dabbled a little bit in uh, video content, which seems to be kind of marketed more toward younger consumers. Can we expect to see uh, more video reviews from you guys? That is a wonderful question. So I would say there's 
I, I kind of think about it in two different ways. There's like the videos that we have that are on YouTube. And then we have the more short form video content that you'll see on our Instagram or our TikTok. And so the videos on YouTube, I absolutely love those. I think that when we first started to produce more of those and experiment with more of those a few years ago, I think that was really a way for us to kind of extend our expertise on a product in a, in a different format, in a different, um, you know, something that isn't like a long form piece of uh, review and mm-hmm. also trying to be rather than like, here's the review of the product, like an unboxing, so to speak, but really talking about like other aspects of like how to wash a cast iron pan, or, you know, there was like another piece like on like the robot vacuum and like how well it does and actually like avoiding certain objects in your house. And so I think the intent of that, of those types of videos are really just more so to bring a different type of service related to those products. Whereas, um, and I think that like, you know, kind of in a similar vein, like with the, the videos that you'll see on social, you know, we're trying to bring forth like interesting pieces of our research, um, you know, in a more accessible and bite-sized way. And so oftentimes when I'll see our editorial teams like collaborating for something that might be, you know, suitable for a TikTok video, they'll, or for something on social media, like that senior editor, writer, who have you will maybe highlight some really interesting piece that of, of the review where maybe you wouldn't necessarily get to it easily because it's within 10,000 words. And so we Mm -hmm. see that. Um, and then again, going back to the service piece and in particular in TikTok, it's like, that's been a way that we have found to like reach like new, new audiences and really kind of like tapping into like, what is like garnering people's interests. Like I'm so admittedly, I'm, I'm not on TikTok, but I hear a lot about it. I get a lot That's of cat amazing. videos. <laughs> I know. I get a lot of cat videos from my sister. So I do enjoy the cat content. Um, <laughs> so you probably know that if you're on TikTok, that cleaning TikTok is a thing. Yes. And so <laughs> Yes. It's very calming, very soothing. <laughs> That's so funny to me. But that's uh, something when we first started experimenting in TikTok that we really started to see, you know, gaining traction on. And I think we're sort of uniquely positioned to be an authority in that space because we have a lot of subject matter experts and cleaning is very adjacent to it. Like whether Mm -hmm. it's like cleaning your air purifier or something else related to that. But um, as far as like that part of it goes, I think you can absolutely expect to see more of it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely learned things um, from those cleaning videos that I had no idea you were supposed to do like drain your washing machine. Yeah, didn't didn't know that was a thing to do. Um, <laughs> so definitely some lots to learn. Um, you know what? I'm I'm almost forty, and there's a lot of things that I keep learning. Like, oh, oh, that's great to know. I mean, TikTok is you know the ones that I kind of superficially stumble upon. Not being on TikTok are very educational, and it's so funny how people are like, "Why did I go to school? I could have learned it on TikTok." <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Um, mm-hmm. And you know. So I did kind of in closing, I have a couple of questions left for you. One is just really kind of high level. Where is the future of affiliate marketing headed? What do you think it's going to, you know, look like over the next decade? Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think I kind of touched on this, but I think it's going to continue to evolve with changing shopping preferences. Like we already saw that happen, right? Right. We talked about, Mm -hmm. Um, the rise of social media usage. And that also went hand in hand with the rise of mobile and how that shifted more discovery through social research. Um, 
and transacting entirely on handheld devices. And so I think um, live video shopping is testament to that. Um, I think it's an extension of the type of social shopping that was pioneered early on by bloggers that were early adopters of the channel to reach and engage with audiences, you know, right, through affiliate mm-hmm. and also monetize through it. Um And so I think in a sense, it's kind of hard to say exactly what direction it's going to go because, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. I think the one thing that I will kind of mention is is a potential area to explore just to think about is, you know, the metaverse. There's been a lot of talk of the metaverse and e-commerce having a place there. And no one to date, at least that I'm aware of, is really leveraging affiliate in that space. But I don't think that's really too far behind. Yeah, fascinating. Um, you know, I haven't even considered affiliate um, within the metaverse or what that would look like. And I think many of us are still curious uh, what retail in the metaverse will look like, but it's definitely, definitely very exciting. For sure. I think I, I show my age when I say that I don't quite understand the metaverse. It's been explained to me. So conceptually, I kind of get it. And so it's hard for me to say exactly like where affiliate will fit in. But as we have seen, like affiliate has found its way very organically into so many other touch points in a person's life. Like I have no doubt that it will end up there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think probably Gen, Gen Alpha probably knows better than any of the rest of us, uh, you know, <laughs> what that will look like. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> um, and then one last question, I did want to kind of get your thoughts on embedded commerce. Is there, you know, potential for us to see transactions occurring directly on Wirecutter? That is a great question. And to be honest, I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I think as far as embedded, um, you know, uh, embedded uh, commerce, I think it's very attractive to publishers, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately in the affiliate world, what with last click attribution, you know, publishers are trying to find a way to close that gap so that they can get credit for these great recommendations without losing out if attribution happens to fall elsewhere, right? But I think, you know, and the whole point of it is also to be frictionless and to make it really easy for the reader, the shopper. But I, you know, part of the reason why I have mixed feelings about it is because it's frictionless at the point of transaction, but not necessarily beyond that. And it feels wonky. So I've had a personal experience with an online, you know, like interior design service, which is phenomenal. And, you know, they have these great tools and allow you to shop through their marketplace for every single product that they've, you've had in your room. So I've done that. And it's like kind of a one-stop shop, but then I changed my mind and then I had to cancel some things. And essentially they had to, this person had to go and like talk to these companies, cancel everything for me. And I would have preferred to have just done that myself. So I could have Mm -hmm. like actually tracked the cancellations and the refunds as well too, though from a very practical business standpoint, the thing that you also lose out on is the halo purchases. So the one, the thing that happens is when you send a reader off to um, a retailer, oftentimes they are buying a wire cutter pick. Also, oftentimes they're buying other things, you know, there's, you know, they're adding other things to their cart. So the ability to increase the cart value as which has a direct tie into increasing your commissions happens through those means, even though you're obviously like sending somebody off of your site. And so 
there isn't at this point any provider out there that's able to help solve for that ability to, you know, capture those like, um, you know, halo transactions that happen. The other big piece of it too, that I think is a challenge is the customer service piece. So like Mm -hmm. somebody transacts through wire cutter, okay, what happens when they have a problem? And that's another piece that you have to think through. And I just like, I can just imagine like, even if you're going to be as explicit as possible about what somebody has to do if they have a problem or want to like change their mind, there's probably going to be a number of people who like end up with the New York Times customer care team. <laughs> and they're, you know, that's not going to be the most appropriate team to respond to that. So those are the things that I think about. You know, I, I can certainly see certain ways where, you know, certain scenarios in which there may be utility for that experience on wire cutter. Um, So, but the short answer is it's not something that we're doing today. I wouldn't rule it out as a never going to happen, but I think there's other hurdles and challenges that we would have to really be thoughtful about and find the right provider to answer to those before we actually moved forward on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, removing friction it's certainly been a top priority, you know, for the entire retail industry. And I think like any opportunity to, you know, incorporate that, it becomes so buzzworthy, but Mm -hmm. your story certainly speaks to kind of the point that, you know, frictionless at one point often results in friction somewhere else. Um, And personally having to return items, that is usually the most painful part of the shopping experience for me. And I, I'm sure for, for many others as well. Well, Leilani, I certainly appreciate your time today. It was wonderful to talk and learn from you. And I'm excited to see how Wirecutter evolves over the next decade. And um, I think you're providing an important service to both brands and consumers. And um, if a brand wanted to get in touch with you to discuss potential partnerships, where would they go? That is a really great question. So first and foremost, you have to carry a wire cutter pick. And so I say that because I want to appropriately set expectations because sometimes a brand will come to us and say, well, we are a relevant product because you have a review already. So we can just be added in or swapped Mm -hmm. out. That's not happening. So I will say that the first and foremost, you have to have a wire, carry a wire cutter pick. But all that to say, you know, we're still, we're always welcome to um, making connections. Commerce at wirecutter.com is a great place to send your interest. If, if you have, you know, an overlap or you carry a wire cutter recommended product, we will definitely be reaching out to you. But if you don't today carry that wire cutter recommended product, you know, we still encourage people to reach out just because we can't work together today does not mean that we can't in the future. There have been times where maybe we didn't recommend your product, um, you know, six months ago, but tomorrow we're going to publish a piece and now we do. And so that's a really great place for our team to go look to see if we have a contact so we can reach out about establishing that partnership. So commerce at wirecutter.com. Excellent. Well, thank you again for sharing your insights with us today, Leilani, and I hope we can connect with you again soon. Thank you again for having me. This has been great. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. That's this week's Retail Rundown. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. 
Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore Retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time. Thank you.